What does healing mean to you? Stories are healing. Part of what happens when people are in crisis is they have to share their story. Someone has to hear that story so that we can empathize, sympathize with one another. Voices, the mental health podcast, raising unanswered questions, sharing unanswered prayers. We are faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. I am Tony Roberts. I am Eric Riddle. And we are Revealing Voices. Tony invited me to to come and talk about what it's like to be a pastor in the midst of the pandemic and uh, share some of the things that that's been like. One of the things it's been like, for me at least, is kind of the notion that we have all suddenly been handed this rather dire diagnosis that we did not have. It uh, uh, As a pastor, I was there and we were you know, having Sunday school, we had worship, we had a session meeting, and at that session meeting, we were talking about the possibility that we may have to think about distancing or what that would look like, and we kind of agreed we're going to keep our eye on it, and um, we weren't even able to meet the next Sunday. It was like all of a sudden, it came out of nowhere that, uh, you know, things are closed, you cannot gather, uh, you have to switch to an entirely different mode of how you try to to be a pastor and connect to people and keep communications going. Uh, kind of the whole society and the whole world is suddenly at risk, and we're all dealing with this this piece of news, this new information that uh, puts us into a different mode. It shifts us into crisis mode. And, of course, as a pastor, one of the things I've done in done many, many times, is simply to stand with the sick, with the afflicted, to sit with people. And uh, now it's just simply that, that that circle of people is everyone in my congregation, everyone in my community, everyone in this city, everyone in this country, everyone everywhere has been affected by this. So then we... <sighs> We start to learn what the treatment is going to have to be. We're dealing with something that's invisible. It's inoperable. Uh, It can be deadly. We're still trying to figure out how we're going to deal with that, what that's going to involve. Um, So there are very serious steps that have to take place. Uh, Social distancing is kind of an oxymoron in its own way, and yet that's what we're called upon to do. We have to... uh, kind of be together by being apart. And that's a very unusual thing. For a pastor and for a church, that means no worship. There is no gathering. There is no mystical body of Christ where we can be together and go through this and share this thing together. So um, we all understand, you know, the, the kind of way that the virus is transmitted and the steps that kind of help mitigate that. But for a pastor is somebody who is involved in this highly intimate calling. Um, 
that really does require lots of communication, a lot of connection to people. A lot of that is nonverbal communication where you see people and it's it's an expression, it's a look, it's a little piece of body language that you pick up on. And all of a sudden, none of that is there. Um, and so we have people living in kind of isolation, living in loneliness. And for a lot of people, especially a church, church is one of those places that a lot of people who are alone come to find community. And suddenly that's taken away from us. One of the main reasons people participate in the church, one of their main spiritual forms of support, one of the places where they are most social and outgoing and connected um, ends up being removed in the midst of this you know, course of treatment that we all have to sort of undergo. As I said, we've got some folks who were fearful from the beginning. They isolated themselves even before it was required or requested by anyone else. Um, we have people now who kind of askance at every cough, every sneeze they see. Um, you know, we're not running around. It's almost like we need to be walking around as if we're saying unclean, unclean, except everyone is unclean. You know, we're, we're all lepers in some sense at this moment because anyone can be affected. So we've got these incredibly serious steps to take as a general rule. And that's not even to, to count all the things that have to happen for folks medically. I had a situation of someone who has some different abilities, and this person is also prone to, uh, to respiratory illness. And... Uh, Looked like she might have to go to the hospital. She was scared to death, absolutely scared to death of the notion of going to the hospital, knowing what a kind of breeding ground for the infection that that can be. So we have the treatment laid out for us, and then we end have to deal with all the side effects. And uh, one of those is that the anxiety is just at a fevered pitch for people. We're facing the unknown, the uncertain uh, and what happens with that is when people are stressed and have the anxiety, then they tend to be more fearful and that stress further reduces their immune systems. They become more prone, uh, more likely to, to have a poor response to that. So there, there's there a great deal of free-floating anxiety in the midst of the social system right now. Uh, and I hear that from people um, when, they, when they think about what's going on or where they are or where they think this is heading. And then, of course, some of that that comes with that has been the unemployment, uh, the financial woes that have come with that. There are a lot of people dealing with hard times. There's a lot of need. There's a lot of lack. Um, we have seen that in numerous places. We are dealing with that in our own community community. Uh, Kind of the request, the demands on uh, food resources. Uh, a lot of people are on the edge, and they, they need help. One of the other side effects, we saw all this kind of panic buying. You know, people scared to death. They're scared of running out of things. So they go out, and they're grabbing up things. 
They are hoarding things. We see price gouging going on. Uh, and in the wake of all that, we have people that have different kinds of scams spraying on people's fears and, and circumstances with all that. Um, one of the side effects is we're seeing all the cracks in our political system. Our, our political system has not done well in trying to handle this. Uh, the efforts to, to address it have been uh, sporadic and disjointed. The left hand does not know what the right hand is doing. Uh, you can't, you, you're casting about trying to figure out who you're going to listen to. Where do you find, you know, some truth in the midst of all this? Where's dependable information? Uh, so we're dealing with that. Um, we're dealing with that as a church in terms of when do you actually say we're going to gather again? Uh, I live in Tennessee. In Tennessee, the governor is lifting the, the stay-at-home order, but that doesn't affect six counties. Well, those six counties happen to be the most populous areas in the state of Tennessee. So you're talking the cities of Memphis and Nashville and Knoxville and Chattanooga and the Tri-Cities. and So these places you're on hold until the local health departments get the numbers they're looking for to say, okay, now it's kind of safe to go back. Um, so the, you have to work on trying to sort out all the information. And a lot of people are struggling with that. And so we've, like I say, the, the, the problems that we're facing politically, the problems we're facing in terms of uh, too much information, misinformation, disinformation, that, that's also a side effect that's affecting people. They're hurting from that. And then, of course, we have folks that are dealing with the, the, the mental and emotional and spiritual distress that comes with all of this. Uh, lots of people are facing this and wondering about their health. They're wondering about the health of their loved ones. They're wondering about their own mortality. Uh, I have people asking me about the afterlife that, you know, they're, they're, they're concerned with these things because it puts it into a bigger and a broader context than they deal with on a daily basis. We have so many things that are set up to help us to uh, be distracted and diverted from thinking about big questions. This says, no, you're going to think about the big questions. There's no avoiding that anymore. So we're, we're looking at what are going to be the outcomes um, of this situation we face. Well, one, there's, there's no need to soft-sell this thing or try to sugarcoat it. The, the outcomes are, are difficult. There are going to be a lot of deaths, we in this country. Uh, sadly, this is a place where we are leaving the world in the number of deaths from this situation. And uh, if not today, within the next few days, we will surpass the number of deaths that we had in all of Vietnam in a matter of a few months. Uh, we're just not accustomed to that. that. That's an outcome no one would have wanted. We don't wish it on anyone, and yet we know that it's there. Uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of distress because normal uh, is gone. That's a word that um, cannot be spoken without kind of a qualifier anymore. 
you know, some folks are talking about the new normal. At the moment, I would just say it's all abnormal. But that says there was definitions of normal that actually work. Um, so there's a lot of distress about what that's going to look like, that uncertainty. Uh, the crisis is things are broken, things have fallen apart. How do you put it all back together? Uh, what the, what matters when you try to put it together? And uh, the other outcome is there's obviously going to be things are different going forward. Um, people are going to live differently. They're going to think differently. Uh, we're going to process things differently than we have. Some folks are going to say, oh, it's great. I can go back out and go shopping again. Are they going to go shopping? Or are they going to say, no, I'm going to send in a list somewhere. Let somebody else bring it to me. Um, one of those places where you have a great deal of social interaction may, may end up uh, not coming back the way that it was. And that's going to be, uh, that's a challenge and an opportunity to say, how do we do things differently? And if we do them differently, how do we do them better than we did? Uh, that's one of those hopes. Are there good signs in the midst of all of this? Uh, I would say yes. There are signs of healing and hope and wholeness that are being lived out in the midst of this time. Uh, I would say that, that in the worst of the crisis, we can display the best of our character. And I think we're seeing some of that. Um, there is a, a swell of attention and appreciation uh, for the healing professions right now. And that includes both folks who are on the medical line and then, you know, in terms of direct medical treatment, those who are counseling and pastoring and chaplains and supporting other people and trying to help them work through what's going on. Oftentimes, a lot of those people are overlooked or simply taken for granted or not thought of at all until, you know, I have a need to get something done or I'm sick or something. And so we're seeing an appreciation for that that I think is, is healthy and reminds us of that. Uh, I think we're seeing reminders um, to appreciate the folks who have kept the ship afloat. You know, we got a lot of folks that are that are out there working pretty much on the margins, and yet we say they're essential workers. Life would not be going on without these folks doing things that a lot of people consider menial tasks. But it's not menial if that's what's keeping you alive, if that's what's keeping the thing up and running. Um, and and so I think the uh, the the essential folks should be seen as more than menial or minimum folks in the midst of this. And I think that is is healthful. That That's a good thing for us as we try to put things back together is to value pieces that we often overlook, the people that we often overlook. Uh, I think there's a renewed interest on folks just being healthy overall. Of course, you know, there are the stories of the folks who say, yeah, I'm going to go on quarantine. I'm going to come out in six weeks. I'm going to have the best body I ever had, you know, and I'm going to reduce my BP and my numbers. My metrics are going to be so great. It's going to be like I'm 
you know, Superman coming out of this, which may or may not be the case. But even if we're doing some things that help keep us healthier, that, that's that's a value. One of the things we've done at our church, we have this wonderful parking lot. We've got lots of space, and we have told our folks and others, come down here and walk. This is a good place. You can walk. You can keep your distance. You can be outside. You can be in the sunshine. It's safe. Um so that kind of emphasis on our health uh, is is a sign of healing for us, I think, as we go through this and as we come towards the other side. I think one of the best signs of all has kind of been the outpouring of compassion and care that we've seen from folks. Um, I was sitting here thinking to myself this morning, I said, blessed are the mask makers. Uh, for they have flattened the curve, you know, uh, how many folks, you know, and this, I mean, this is something that I've seen people that my wife is one of those folks who was laid off. She's got a sewing machine. She's got material in her She knows how to do these things. This is something that she did. It's a small thing. And yet it's something that matters. And it's uh, something that can be healthy for folks. Um, and people just being neighbors, checking on each other, caring about one another, trying to make sure that the folks, knowing that folks are alone, are trying to make sure that uh, even if they're alone, at least someone is connecting with them. Someone is reaching out. I think there's been uh, a, a good bit of that, which I think is really healthy. I've tried to do that for myself with even just just sending little text messages to people who I don't see in my sort of daily circle, people that live in other states, people that I've known in other contexts, at various points just saying, hey, thanks, you, you've been a blessing in my life, and I appreciate you. And I think others are doing that. I think uh, that's that's healing. That That helps people stay connected and feel valued and appreciated. Um, gee, crime is down. Uh, nobody's really at war at the moment. <laughs> you know, this, this kind of global consciousness of this thing is, uh, is something that we have not seen that may, that may be healing for us all. We, we need to look through this as, as a time to learn some serious and valuable lessons about cooperation rather than competition. And uh, this is an opportunity for us to do that. And as we do so, maybe that will uh, have some broader ripples. Uh, that That's something I'm hopeful for in the midst of this. One of the things that I th think is going to happen is, I know Tony and I have talked about this, stories are healing. Part of what happens when people are in crisis is they have to share their story. Someone has to hear that story so that we can empathize, sympathize with one another. We're all going to be sharing this one great big global story of going through this pandemic. So we're all going to be part of the same story, even if our little parts are different. And hopefully when we get towards what we see is the end of this story. It's going to be a story of how we faced a time of tremendous crisis 
and difficulty and distress. And we, through uh, resources that we shared with one another, through our emotional and spiritual resources, we came together in ways that made us more whole, both as individuals and as a society and as a world. That needs to be part of the story we aim towards. And if we get through this and we can find the ways to tell and share that story, um, then I think that will be that will be healing for a lot of folks, maybe healing for us all. Revealing Voices is not a substitute for professional mental health care or participation in a faith community. If your unanswered questions or unanswered prayers leave you feeling desperate or unsafe, we urge you to seek further help. A partial list of outreach resources may be found on our website, revealingvoices.com. Tony, our show has come to a close. Now is the time to ask for five-star reviews. Please scroll to the bottom of our podcast homepage, click on five stars, then click on write a review. Help us reach more people seeking emotional healing and the hope of faith. Thanks again for your support of Revealing Voices.